So what everyone, there's a, this language, language learning is like a blessing and a curse, as they say. They want to say, oh, well, it's a blessing in the fact that you get to be more, you get to learn a different language, you get to interact with people from around the world, but a curse meaning that, okay, you know, why do you have to learn all this? You know, you're living in one location, kind of that, kind of like that feeling, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it just depends on what you do and what bubble you're in. Um, these days, I think the amount of times people bump into other languages has increased a lot. So one really interesting thing is like my mom has, we, I, I'm from a very small town, Northern California. Like there's not that many people that are from, that are international from there. Like I grew up around mostly people that look like me, right? Yeah. My mom, is, you know, works a very local job and went home for the holidays and I watched, I see her watching a Korean drama. Huh. Because Netflix has all these international shows now. It's like okay, she watched Squid Games. She watched Squid Games as her yes, yeah, Squid Games. But then she started. She got into that. And it recommended her. I think like Crash Landing you. on you. I think that's the oh, yeah, that, that was one of those romance types. Yeah, and then she's really into romance shows, and she started getting into these Korean drama like romance shows, and she had never been interested. I lived in China. She never watched a Chinese TV show in her life. You know. Now I catch watching Korean drama. Point. I mean, it would be tough to even watch a Chinese TV show back in the day. <laughs> That's true. Although these days, there's definitely a lot. Although, yeah, not as much Chinese media around. But, like, you know, there's the cultural interest just from your own self, maybe. Like, hey, I'm interested in, like, in the past, it was more personal. Well, now, you kind of can't avoid it anymore. So I don't know if there's any, like, necessarily local places that don't have some kind of interaction multiculturally anymore. I mean, nowadays, the world is becoming multicultural. Like, everywhere you go, every city you go to now has, like, multiple different languages spoken. And, uh, yeah, especially the cities you go. I mean, maybe not the, the countries, maybe not, like, rural areas, but mostly the cities. They're very multilingual. Everyone gets, you get the opportunity to at least maybe listen to a lot of these different languages all at the same time. Like, New York is basically home to 180-plus languages. But, yeah. Yeah, I think, isn't New York, more than 50% of the people there, their native language is not English. I think LA is pretty close to that as well. Oh, yeah. But did you, uh, also, like when we spoke earlier before the uh, before we start recording, you said you speak Chinese and Japanese, right? Do you speak other languages besides that? I would not say I do. So my bar for saying that I speak a language is pretty high. So Mandarin, um, Chinese, speak it at a very high level. And I would say by Japanese is fluent. I can take business meetings here and there, but it's not like native level fluency. Um, like how do you define? Pretty... Yeah, how do you define native level versus just regular conversational level? This is a great question. And it's it's very, very often up for debate, especially in the polyglot communities, right? Like, well, how do you call a polyglot? There's these people on YouTube who um, they say that they speak 17 languages or whatever, and they kind of like, maybe they rehearse a script or something like this. But what is the definition? There's no official definition. There's frameworks for understanding like what your level is. I have my own personal definition. So I think there's like basic conversation fluency where you can talk to somebody about really basic topics about yourself and the world around you. You can kind of get around, but not like deep topics. So you can definitely not do business. And so like, if you get up to business, level fluency you could talk about maybe you could do a deal in the language but i'm not but it's not native level fluency native level fluency is where you could joke in the language like <laughs> yeah with like four people in a room out for drinks and you could you know everyone's talking to each other back and forth crossfire 
and you can follow along in in kind of like this kind of situation that's like yeah. a native level fluency you literally have to live in the country let's say if you were to do this in japanese you have to live in japan for like a, what five years to be able to even do that yeah so i there are people who have done it without living in the country and there's definitely ways but generally it's a it's around five to seven years so for chinese it took me about five years to get to that level seven years where i didn't even recognize it like like maybe in a six month period i won't even find a situation where i was uncomfortable um but five years till you get to that point where you're really comfortable living in the country yeah that's a that's a good guess yeah so um right now you're trying to like let's just say this app you're building uh, we'll, we can discuss more about that later but this is more meant for like a different approach to language learning in a way right yeah so and i've been thinking about this for a long time and finally last year decided to try to build something like this the idea is this is that most apps out there now they're like these contrived experiences kind of like boiled down into trying to make it like a math problem like language like a math problem um but language isn't that simple and so when you go out and try to use what you learn in the classroom in real life or listen you realize oh this is way 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 different so you have yeah. to disconnect between the learning materials and what in like classroom environment and real life environment and then there's this giant gap between them and it's kind of just up to you to make the leap and and that's where a lot of people get stuck so what we're trying to do yeah flip it on its head start yeah. with the end goal instead of instead of having having people get there later right right i was just gonna say if it were let's say i've i've learned i've learned french and spanish in school and right. you know I, they've taught me in a very formal way of speaking but then when i went to mexico and spain or even france they started using a lot of slang where somewhat I couldn't understand what the heck they were saying. I thought I knew what I was speaking. And I had to literally, it's like, for them, they they use slang, but I have to use textbook way of talking in French and Spanish to be able to, you know, at least keep the conversation going. Right, like you, you're intelligible to them, but they're not intelligible to you. Like you, like, they they can understand what you're saying, but it's really hard for you to understand what they're saying. You know, why is that, that gap is huge. Yeah. Like, why is that? Like, let's say for even for English, let's say we're, we're native English speakers, but yeah. Let's say for someone who's coming from who speaks a different language, but he's speaking English, but they're speaking English as like a second or third language, and they are not that they're conversational level like how you are with Japanese or Chinese. So what is that? So how do you know? Uh, sort of like well, the question was like, why is it that we kind of understand them, but they don't understand us? Well, that's because we've broken it down into these. We're trying like classrooms, and they have to. They break it down into what is the easiest teachable piece of this. Like I am going to the and they usually teach it to you in that way. But when somebody talks in English, they say, I'm, go I'm gonna go to the store. I'm gonna go to the, like, like this is just one example that a lot of my foreign friends have trouble with is that when people speak in English, we don't speak like this. So one of it's a listening comprehension problem, right? Um, two is a vocabulary difference, is, some, is the vocabulary used in real life very often is a different vocabulary set this taught in the classroom and this is very common in japanese as well um there's this test called the jlpt which is a formal test of your level people have passed the jlpt one which is the highest level possible but can barely hold a conversation in real life why the types of things that they learned were not useful at all no one says those things right it's, I'm so, so there's not yeah because i'm someone who never even took any language exams in chinese or japanese but i still could hold like a basic level conversation as a that's an interesting factor yeah so if you picked it up in natural situations or from people 
like, hey, what does that mean? And you hear people talking. The, the people who do this end up with a much higher conversational ability, like real life usage ability. I'll give you a really cool story. So I studied abroad in China and, and this was a long time ago, a little. Yeah, I was just gonna, we're, yeah, we were just gonna delve into like your background, like what made you become a language learning guy and and also your like overall startup life or like your business ventures. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it kind of ties in kind of the same story is that, you know, come from a small town, always dreamt about getting out and traveling the world, right? I think a lot of people like that if you're from a small town. So my traveling the world happened to be China. So went to China, freaking loved it. And um, one thing I noticed while I was there is that I started off as one of the lowest level Chinese speakers when I got there. Um, after, it was a year long program. At the end of the year long program, I was by far the highest level speaker. And I was wondering, why did this happen? Um, and it was, it was just the methodology that I'd used, which is just immersion. I talked to people, walked around with a, with a dictionary. I've held on to that like methodology for a very, very long time, although I didn't reapply it to Japanese until a few years ago. But um, why I was so interested in culture and language, because I moved to China, learned Chinese, and then I ended up staying there and I lived there for 10 years. And so, so language and culture and that difference was always in my face. Like I'm not from here um, and I'm speaking another language. And then I've got my foreign friends who are from all over the world. And I've got my Chinese friends. It was just always a daily thing, right? So it's, it's in the forefront of your life. And it's a problem that a lot of people around you have. Like, hey, how did you learn Chinese? I'm asked all the time. How should I learn English? Asked all the time. And so I had to like, over time kind of- Hey, you were bad. With like, technology. When, like when yeah. you went to China, there were, there were no smartphones back then. Everyone just had to use their books to really understand how, that what, to really read what's going on on television, but- yeah, so I had a paper dictionary, and and so looking up words in Chinese is is not as simple. You can't just look up the word. You have to look up the, the um. You got to look at the tone. <laughs> you got to look at the tone. You got to say you cannot just you know. There's one. There's a character that means one. If if it's there are four different tones for Mandarin, right? Yeah. And if it's pronounced one way or the other, let's say there, that means it's just, if it's like there, if, if, if it's pronounced one way, that means it means a different word versus another word. Yeah. Example is uh ma means mother, but ma means horse. Yeah. And so it gets, so like total language and, but like looking at things in the dictionary, cause it's like, it's like pictorial, right? You have to read this, like the, it's, it's like the radical, which is one piece of the character. And there's only like a certain number of those. And you look up from there and then count the strokes, like how many strokes to write this character. And then you flip through the dictionary kind of, anyway, it was a long like process. As, as I presume when you had, when you met with a shopkeeper and they were asking what, what do you want? You just asked, order this like up. Oh, I don't know. I don't understand in China. I don't. I don't understand what you're saying. What thing with all? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you can say like take a take a take a. This is like really common thing. Like this, 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 this. But if you listen, they'll like they'll say the name of the thing, and then you can repeat back and use this like shadowing technique to, to like remember like names of objects. So it's like really common way of doing it. But yeah, like learning back then there was no smartphones, so like I ended up going through two different paper dictionaries in a year, like because they just got so worn out of like flipping through the pages. But like um, now with smartphones, things are a lot easier. Definitely way. Way, way easier people use flashcards like in like real life flashcards like you had paper in your room and i remember my friend had this crazy stacks of flashcards but like now you've just got your smartphone for it so it's a lot more efficient cool and so now uh you've also built uh, you worked on three or four different ventures before you started uh umi right yeah so i've been trying to do startups for a long time and as anyone that does startups knows it's a crazy life adventure and it's very very hard it it really forces you and now that we're talking about languages and chinese there's yeah um it's like basically it means that 
entrepreneurship is yeah. the path to enlightenment. <laughs> um, because it, it forces you to really question yourself and the world and values and, and just so many things. So yeah, um, I was in the gaming space before this and my last uh, venture was an app called Quick Match, which was like social app meets gaming app. We, we had some success, but so far I haven't had like a large monetary exit yet, but I've had a lot of informational exits. Learned a lot. <laughs> And so now with what, what you're building right now with Umi, so what is the overall layout as to why you're building Umi? Yeah, so running into this problem for so much of my life and actually I'm very, very passionate about language learning. I'm very, very passionate about cultural exploit, exploration and travel. And I want to learn more languages. And I realized if I don't build a better app for learning languages, I'm going to keep going through the same pain that I've had to go through, you know, learning Chinese and learning Japanese. And I don't want to do that. And I explored every app out there and I realized they're all still using these kind of outdated um, ways of approaching language learning. Um, join some hardcore polyglot communities that, you know, use the, it's called input hypothesis, this immersion based method. There's like yeah. 20 different tools you have to set up. And there's like all these manual processes of, okay, first like, like install these three extensions and then save it here, then format it this way, and then import it into this, in this, into the system to properly run like a, like a, like a smart language learning process. Um, that was based off of real life exposure to the language. Cause at the end of the day, our brain is a super processor. It, 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 it can pattern recognize. And so you're, you're trying to get as much real life input in your brain as possible, right? And there is no other process, there's no other system set up. There's no other app that does this, that's really based on real life input. So like your brain can really start to pattern recognize and understand the language. And so like for Japanese, I just want, I try to watch TV shows as much as I can, got fluent through just watching TV shows mostly, but it's not super effective because of an idea called comprehensible input. It's not comprehensible enough. So very, very painful still. So I wanted to build a comprehensible, digestible approach to real life situations. So really, it's really the, the answer to the question is I wanted to build it for me because I want to learn more languages in the future and I don't want it to be painful anymore. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, other people have the same problem and hopefully, you know, we can get people to usable level of language in a faster time and have it be more rewarding along the way, you know? And so what is it that you're seeing? So right now, what you're trying to do is build a very, uh, a a very comprehensive app where, you know, if it's, it makes language learning a lot more easier and more engaging rather than just, uh, you know, have a bunch of stuff there for you, like how uh, Duolingo does it, right? I'd say the main difference between our approach versus Duolingo's approach is Duolingo's like the robot. Um, it's kind of, it doesn't have a soul. The sentences don't mean anything. They're not people speaking them. They're not from real life experience. No matter what you learn there, there's still that question is, is this real? Is there is there a soul on the other side? Can I apply this anywhere? So our approach is, it's, so we teach with TV show and movie clips. The very first lesson, we learn konnichiwa, and it's a clip of somebody saying konnichiwa in a, in a TV show or a movie. So it's it's real pronunciation. You can see real faces or anime faces. Um, and, and some of the examples that we give you are in sentences. So you always know the contextual situation when you should use this. So it's like, like learning a language isn't a math problem. It's more like archeology. span Like there's culture behind it. You're, you're, you're digging up this piece. You're figuring out the history of this word and why they say things this way, you know? And so like, if you, if you don't have that culture and you don't have the humanity next to it, you're losing a lot of the information around it. It becomes lost in translation, you know? So. So in what way are you really like, let's say for example, if I want to use your app, 
and I want to learn how to get fluent in, in Chinese or let's say even in uh, German. Like, are you are you looking to integrate more languages on, or is it just going to be strictly focused on the uh, on Chinese and Japanese? So right now it's Japanese and English actually. Um, we haven't actually done Chinese yet, um, but Spanish is launching next week, and we're going to do German and French next. Basically, just walk down the like most like studied languages in the world. Um, Chinese will eventually get there. So yeah, you could start our app at zero. And um, the approach is a vocabulary-based approach at the moment, which is here's a vocabulary word. Here's how that vocabulary word is used in real life. And then here's some quizzes to, to reinforce that meaning. Then that that word plus clips that like contextual clips get put into a review system to where like a lot of learning is remembering, right? So there's memory so system. How do you oh, like, yeah, so. so like I said, because a lot of people, you know, there's been a lot of language learning apps all over and then people yeah. and doesn't it the thing is that not every not the the world has not become fluent in another language even after so many different iterations of language learning apps out there so why how is it that your app will be the one you know making that change and like making that hey, impact that's a good point there's so many language le learning apps out there and i think that the the key difference and the key insight about what we're doing versus everyone else is the materials that we introduce you to period the main reason why people aren't able to use a language is because they're they're not the type of we call it input in the industry basically the, the type of materials you're exposed to your exposure to the language is not the real language so we're giving you so you're getting native exposure to the language like, during the process basically like slang right you can put slang on it much more right you can teach slang much faster than just proper way of speaking yeah so even but even proper way of speaking if you hear a robot voice versus you hear a real person say it there's still nuances you need to train your ears still and that trains pronunciation it trains understanding also if you hear like if you're learning a word and and in school it's put in this very strict structure you're not always going to hear it in that structure there might be a pause there might they might have said it and cut off like the end of the end of the word they might like the way they actually say it is what we want to approach and then yeah you know uh expose people to and then of course the slang right for example yo hi not just hello right yeah um things like this are things that will attach to lessons as well like if so, I teach you below i also teach you hi i teach you yo you know these kind of if, like extra add-ons you know, you know, more exposure the funny thing is that you know the, what you're teaching them is like how the typical way let's say for example for someone who's learning english they'll be learning more about the current way of speaking compared to the classical way of speaking english if you know the or the proper way of speaking english right so, so is it like is it do you feel like the future if let's just say if a lot of people a lot of people around in another country use this app to learn english do you think they'll be more exposed to a more slang way of speaking rather than a just a regular way of speaking in general because sometimes that could be going right. to that could you see the way like america the way we speak english is not the same thing same way as how the british or the australians or the canadians speak english I mean, though we have the same accent as the Canadian, somewhat similar, but when we utilize certain words or how we spell certain words, which, yeah, like maneuvering, we're yeah. maneuvering in, in the British right. way of saying it. So do you think, because there's always those issues where, you know, if you just put the American way of teaching English on that app and then, you know, when they start, 
sounding like something different to another person? Like, how do they understand that's English or not? So, so there's a lot of questions here, and let me try to tackle a couple of them um, that I remember. Um, so the first is actually it's not just about slang. Um, and the the long term goal of this is it depends on the goal of the user because it's native materials only. There might it might be very formal language. For example, we could cut out of a show that's from a newsroom, right? And they, you know, or from a government, you know, type of political show. And the type of language that they'll learn in that show or movie is going to be very different than if it's like Eight Mile, right? Um, and so the long-term goal is to, it's up to the user to determine what their main language learning goals are. And then we can show them native materials in order to understand how the language is really used. And so, so it's not slang versus traditional way of speaking. It's just native way of speaking, which is different than teacher written speech, right? So the second oh, maybe like tr or traditional writ traditional written speech or like way of speech. So traditional written type speech, like formal writing, I think to get formal written like education, you need to read. So uh, I, I do have to say there is like a limit on video. You're like you still need to like best way to learn a language is to read and to watch media and talk to people right like you need to do all of these things if you don't yeah. read then you're yeah obviously your formal understanding of things could be a lot different like if you read a newspaper you read books even in english it improves your vocabulary in a different way like you get different type of knowledge that way so i would always suggest that people should also read in order to like get a more enriched vocabulary yeah because but you know the, yeah. the, the, an interesting fact is that you know i have friends from china who say mm -hmm. that um they speak they have they know how to read english better they than they can speak english that's so true um and they call it um which is like uh mute english so they have a word for it like really yeah. they can't speak um is because they don't and and actually they don't do a lot of listening practice and speaking starts with listening actually if your ear can understand the sounds you're more likely to be able to form them although you do need to practice because there is a mechanical mechanism behind your tongue and mouth being able to form the sounds properly but if you can't hear your own mistakes it's hard for you to pronounce things so it all starts with the ear when it comes to speaking and like conversation so you need to watch a lot of tv shows with no subtitles or you need, you need to consume a lot of like multimedia you know like video and audio and in order to understand and really internalize the way that this the the language is supposed to sound right so that's what like um but that's all, not always the case it depends on the country and culture and, and how they teach and how people tend to learn languages um you might see that americans tend to read a little bit less but they speak a lot more we're a little bit more extroverted than you know chinese are when it comes to these kind of situations um yeah, but you're um really quick to address your other point about um uh, accents yeah. so right now we're not selecting based on accent for content because we have limited content at the moment and we need to you know add more content to our platform but eventually you'll be able to select you know content from uh, a region if you wanted to like we know that there's different accents so you could say i want to learn british english or i want to learn american english or we could just do mixed mode to where we kind of mix in both um you know to your to your study materials and so what do you see where where do you see this uh this venture going in the next couple of years especially with the uh, you're trying to see how you can distinguish yourself or like carve yourself out from the duolingo way of creating language learning apps or even or even a talkie or any other kind of way of the way it's yeah. structured like how 
Yours is, you're, you're carving out a niche away from those types of language learning apps, right? Yeah, I would say that the hope is rather than a niche, it's a, um, a revolution. So, I mean, Duolingo and a lot of these other language learning apps were at, like conceptualized 10 years ago. There wasn't, like YouTube wasn't even very popular yet. Like um, now there's, and Netflix didn't have international shows, like globalization in terms of multimedia and little Hollywoods all over the world wasn't really a thing when Duolingo was first started. So yeah. the idea that you can learn in this way is kind of a new thing. And the idea, I, yeah. So, so anyway, like our idea is that rather than just like a niche for people that want to expose themselves to native content, is that we do believe that this will be the best way of learning the language and it's more fun. You get the reward of being able to use the language from day one, as opposed to having this delayed cycle of use it for two years and then you can use it, you know? Or like learn for two years, then you can use it. All right, sounds good. So what is your overall like, what is your five-year plan with this, uh, with this, app, with this thing? Well, what is that? Term mission. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I wish startups could plan like really concretely, but the way I see this going is um, to where we can personalize your learning journey for what your goals are. And we've been able to miniaturize and um, kind of uh, take clips from the real world in a way that's very, very easy and, and comprehensible for people to understand, where we can build what we call the comprehensive step ladder. This is gonna take us a while to do, um, to where you could just watch clip after clip and you'll be able to naturally understand it. Like as we build upon your your listening skills and your vocabulary skills. But like where this really goes is 10 times the speed to fluency, basically. Two years of Duolingo doesn't get you to high a high beginner. Two years of our app should get you to fluency. It's kind of like the end goal. And what that probably adds some kind of pronunciation practice and, and other things. Do you think you'll be adding more conversational related, related features in the app? Yeah, I think the first one that we've definitely considered is pronunciation practice for sure. Um, the next is once you get to a certain level, you've got a certain level of vocabulary, we definitely want to add um, the conversation partners in the app. If you have enough users in your app, you can create conversation rooms. You can create conversation games. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a it's kind of like Clubhouse or like Zoom breakout rooms or something where okay you have these people who want to converse with you you can have breakout room sessions and start speaking with them in their language and yeah that is definitely I think it's it's absolutely necessary and there's no really great place to do this um to actually practice real conversation with real people our app it's all about like real people and real things behind it so if we do get to like when we do get to the point where we add this and we have enough users on the platform so there's always somebody there to talk to it's kind of like they want to add that it's going to be more like the clubhouse just meant for people who want to learn practice their other practice a foreign language right right um we have some ideas behind how it would look um because there are real life examples you can go in los angeles to a language exchange meetup you know all the time and you could put this language but it's uh, so far away it's not just that it's also i just don't like to plan you know when you're speaking a language you don't want to plan it that's my that's my issue whenever i that's my my problem sometimes when, when trying to speak a language is that i try to plan it and that causes me to really go into a very stiff mode of stiff mode in the way i speak so it's like you can't you don't really get spontaneous conversations when you have to schedule a you know meetup it's like someone has to just come it's more like that there's a reason why immersion to is better when always when you're in the other country than it than when you're in your home country because you know you're for you kind of like forced into that situation of immersion rather than 
you know, you mm-hmm. just yeah, rather yeah. rather than scheduling a time where you can you can just go to the cafe and hey, we can let's start speaking in Chinese or something like that. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we can completely replicate like spontaneous immersion. Or maybe there is a way. Maybe somebody comes up with it. I don't have any ideas at the moment, but I haven't spent a lot of time trying to figure out the the social element to it. Because the first element I want to I want to solve is. And I actually learn the, the basics of the language through real media, which is the most effective way to do it. But I, I think it's a great point. Like, is there a way to take that experience of running into people and talking to people in unexpected ways to where you can practice? Like, I really hope so. Um, at a minimum, I think that there's a more convenient, um, like, language exchange uh, modal that could be in an app. Um, but it first requires a large user base of people. So you've got these, you know, everyone online at the same time, like a clubhouse or something to where there's there's rooms and you just jump in, talk or jump out, jump into that room, talk and jump out. Maybe, maybe that's enough, you know, it's possible. All right, cool. And so I'm just going to wrap up this uh, co- this amazing conversation and, and ask this one final question, which is, you know, you've been in this uh, startup, in, in this startup world for many years now, you've experienced somewhat success and loads of failure. What advice, and also now you're working on your fourth venture, so what advice would you give to aspiring founders or anyone or visionaries or mission or people who have strong missions, what they should do, let's just say when they're deal when they deal with a lot of failures and setbacks? I think you have to frame the failures correctly because I wouldn't actually say necessarily that I've had any failures. It's just that I've made mistakes and I've, le- I've learned from them. I think failure is just when you don't learn and you give up. And I see that a lot. I think in this space, like, being resilient tends to be the answer and people who really care a lot about their mission and care about people tend to be more successful i think so but i think it's going to take a lot longer than you ever expect because there's so much to learn right so if if you have a failure if you can look at it like what can i learn from this so i could be better tomorrow i definitely didn't always do that like because the part of this journey is becoming a better person yourself there's personal development along the journey you have to be okay with mistakes i've gotten much better at being okay with mistakes and okay with customers yelling at me and terrible reviews and all of that and going hmm what does this mean and how how can i improve my business how can i add more value you know um i would say that the, t- the top thing is just being okay with 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 slipping and falling in and and being able to view those experiences as you know being able to get back up and learn from them and the other thing i wish i did a lot more when i was younger is reach out to other people who have been through the journey and ask for more advice especially as i was taking the journey and as i was slipping and falling rather than hiding those mistakes and being prideful being like hey i made this mistake can you help me understand what i should have done better you know like having like a network of people can definitely speed up that learning a lot all right cool jason thank you so much for coming on the next in time podcast and looking forward to seeing how boomy can make a massive change in the language in the language learning world hey thanks for having me really enjoyed it